Hello and welcome to the weekend update. It's Friday, it's the 5th of May, it's 2023 and Celtic are on the verge of some big stuff this weekend. I'm joined by the fantastic Barry Gallagher. Hello Barry, how are you sir? Very well, thanks. As you say, um, it seems every week, isn't it, that there's a monumental weekend for Celtic, but that's just the nature of being a successful football team, I suppose. So, yeah, really excited. Um, not long finished listening to the weekly, and I agree with what Samani said last night about uh, get his heart set on it, doing it this weekend. I know some people would like to win at Ibrox, but let's get it in the bag and then we can go there um, as champions. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's quite a, an interesting kind of uh, discussion people have been having about throwing a game. <laughs> um, <laughs> going for records and all that, but throwing a game, no, nah, I, I can get, it'd be great to win at Ibrox, but... I'm. I just want it won as quickly as possible. I would have preferred to have won it weeks back. Do you know what I mean? Like just get it yeah. over the line as quickly as possible. Are you the same yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think because of because we now know we have the Scottish Cup final as well. It's if we can get the league one this weekend, it gives us the opportunity to try a few things out, um, rest a few players, get some of the young players in that we'll potentially talk about and. Yeah, the sooner it's done, the better. And I think there's something quite nice about going to that game to Ibrooks um, with the league wrapped up. Um, it takes the pressure off um, slightly, but it might give the team the confidence to kind of go out there and turn them over. So, yeah, get it in the bag this weekend for me. Absolutely. Will you go for some beers after or will you will you do yeah. anything? Yeah, well, thanks to um, the King. Um, I'm off on Monday, so... <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> <Every time operation. laughs> um, so, yeah, um, planning... Hopefully a few beers and I don't know if there'll be any kind of planned celebrations or impromptu. I know last year at after Tanadice there was people gathered at the stadium, so kinda of, kinda of keep my ear to the ground for that and see what happens. But yeah, hopefully it should be a good weekend. Yeah, did you see the, the Napoli celebrations? I saw on your Instagram that you put a wee uh, Napoli thing up. Uh, pretty incredible scenes. Definitely. Yeah, and that just sort of whets the appetite, doesn't it, for, for ourselves. I know it's a wee bit different for them because it's been so long since they won it, but I think it just shows the outpour of emotion that football can give you and just kind of being with your own people and celebrating, it's it's a really powerful thing. So if we can have half as good or even a quarter as good as their celebrations last night, then uh, it'll be some spectacle. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Uh, how have you been, Barry? What's been happening? Um, obviously, you were at the, the semi-final and um, you know uh, you were on the weekly last week and stuff, but what's been happening? Anything exciting? Uh, not particularly. Um, just kind of working away and... Uh, last week was a, a really enjoyable weekend. I, I think the I'd spoken about it on the weekly about that sort of um, derby fatigue that yeah. we've spoken about, and I think you can maybe see that in the way that the, the last few games have sort of panned out. Um, but it was great to get the win, um, and we joked about saying that thing just give us one more win. But come next weekend, we'll be saying <laughs> give us one more win. Um, but no, it was great. I thought the the celebrations at the, the end were superb. Um, it's the most animated I think I've seen Ange and I've said that a few times this season but I think that tops it. He was, see when he was just about to go down the tunnel and he gave it one more sort of almost a Ronnie Roar-esque uh, gesture. Um, I think you could tell how big a win it was and it was great to see and it seems seems a great place to be just now um, in and around the squad and um, everything's so positive so long may it continue. Um, cup final tickets eh? I think we should be okay. Um, I don't. Uh, I listened to the discussion last night. Um, I don't think it's as much as that. I think it might be around the forty thousand mark. The Home Cup, Cup ticket scheme. So, I think Touchwood uh, we should be okay. 
Fingers crossed. I say that now, but it's always horrible when you miss out on the ballot, isn't it? Yeah, the only the only person who misses out is uh, Chris Gallagher, of course. <laughs> uh, just uh, stuff. Um, but no, great stuff. Uh, great to have you here as always. Um, Thank you. We've got some news, uh, and we'll just kind of talk through that. Uh, Kyogo, Kyogo Furuhashi, um, embraces Celtic's full circle moment against Hearts as he's honoured to be mainstay and uh, of the Angie. Just some quotes from Kyogo. Um, while I've been here at the club, a lot of players have left and a lot of players have come in. I'm honoured to be able to stay at the club and play here. I want to enjoy the games. We still have five league games left and we want to enjoy it as much as we did in the past seasons. Everyone has supported me to get the goals. I just work hard to provide something back for them because they support me all the time. Being at this club is an honour already. By scoring the goals, I can give something back to the supporters in the club. Uh, he was just as pleased to see Jota score, um, obviously, last week. We always get the win because we are united and work hard for it. I'm very pleased for everyone's performance every time. Um, against Hearts, we think this is another game in the league and we want to enjoy it. We will prepare and try to win the game. We will see the results at the end of the season. Every game, we work hard. And Do you know what I've noticed about these guys? And we've got some quotes from Matt O'Reilly as well later on. Um, they speak so well, Barry. They, they just really eloquate themselves really well. Definitely. Um and I think that all comes from the manager as well, because I remember right at the, maybe after the end of the first uh, transfer window, he's speaking about how he looks at the characters as well as just the their talents. Um, and you can see that because they all seem a, a close-knit bunch. Um, as you say, they're all very, they speak very well, and it's really interesting to listen to them as well. It's not just your generic footballer answers, is it? Um, and to hear those quotes from Kyogo is just a, a sort of joy to behold, because... There will be, there's no doubt, when you're, it's the nature of being a successful team, um, there will be suitors out there, but hearing that is just sort of reassuring um, that he's enjoying himself here. He's, and he doesn't take it for granted playing for such a great club as well. And I think that's that's one thing that I've maybe, and I say this with the sort of tinge of, I know that players can be picked off at any moment. Um, but the thing that sort of enthused me is that they seem really honoured to be playing for Celtic um, because Celtic have been just as good for them as they have been for Celtic so as I said earlier it's a, it's a great place to be it seems um, in those quotes um, you would like to think that that means that he's going to be here for next season at least anyway so fingers crossed and in terms of his goal scoring it's been phenomenal this season I know he hasn't scored um, the last couple of games but hopefully gets right back um, to business because I'd like to see him break that 30 mark and um, Get as close to thirty five as possible. Um, see on that, like um, I know you kind of briefly touched on it there, but what's your expectations with Kyogo um, in regard to how long you think he'll stay? Because you know, there's you know, p- people talk about Jota, they talk about obviously a badass. Badass looks like he's probably going to go, um, yeah. um, <clears throat> and it's probably you know, in terms of bringing a player in, you know, giving them a platform and moving them on, it's probably about time. By the way, and I don't mean that disrespectfully because I do think there is a lot of talent there. Jota's been linked away and all that stuff and you know everyone kind of gets linked away you know Matt O'Reilly's been talked about which you can understand right it's just the nature of it Kyogo not as much does that surprise you? It does um, because he is so talismanic uh, for us Um, I think there's been that sort of debate hasn't there about who's been the best since Larson but I think in terms of being a talisman Kyogo is the second uh, Second to the throne, as it were, have to use a, a timely <laughs> way to stop this. <laughs> um, Who said are you fucking on, pal? <laughs> my head's been turned. <laughs> um, no, it is weird because it might be his age. Um, it might be the fact that it could be a whole host of things. I think maybe the fact that 
for one reason or another, doesn't seem to be getting into the Japan squad. Um, perhaps scouts were watching him in the Champions League last year, and I think I don't think that was a true reflection of his ability because you yeah. would like to think if he's fit and healthy to end this season, carrying this season's form into the Champions League was a, a totally different beast. So, yeah, it's surprising. It might be his age. It might be the fact that he never came over here until he was what he's going to be twenty nine soon. I think yeah. is that right? Yeah. Um, so he never came over here. He was twenty six, twenty seven. Um, but yeah, he's the type of player though that see because he has that quick over five ten yards, he'd imagine he'd have that for the major the remainder of his career. So I don't think he's going to slow down any. He's fit. He's probably the fittest person in our squad. So while I'm surprised, I'm quite happy that he doesn't seem to be. Um, there was I think maybe a few weeks ago I'd heard that his agent was kind of touting him around German clubs, but um. No, I'm I'm quite happy that he seems to be flying under the radar. And as I say, <clears throat> I think in modern football now you just kind of have to take the manager and the players at like one season at a time. It's too yeah too much to think right. We'll have them for three or four years. But if we could have Kyogo for three full seasons, um, I'd be delighted with that. But you would hope that he's the type of guy when if he gets to he's thirty with us, then he might just see out his career. And one thing I would say though is I think as long as Angie's here. Kyogo would be here because he's his number one man, I think. And um, yeah, so fingers crossed. Uh, long story short. So what you're saying is, as long as you're here, Kyogo. Uh, <laughs> as long as I'm here, Kyogo. I fucked up. Uh, he's 29 in January. Um, right. So that kind of kind of plays into it. Uh, see, it's funny because a couple of things. The first thing is, do you think so? You look at positions and you look at performances at Celtic and in this league. And in Europe and stuff, and you know, I, I I maybe think that there are certain positions that English clubs will look at and think, what's the kind of difference? So scoring a goal in the English Premier League is probably harder than scoring a goal in the Scottish Premiership. <clears throat> um, but you know, playing in that midfield position is obviously maybe different. As Alan Edgar always says, you know, the smartest players play in the middle of the park. Um, and if you look at some of the players that have went down from Celtic, you know, even going as far back to like Victor Wanyama and stuff, who've went down and really impressed, and even Joe Ledley going down to Palace and, and, and playing and stuff, and you know, there's plenty of other ones. But striker wise, I wonder how much it comes down to the mentality of, you know, you could pro- it's easier to score in Scotland than it is to score anywhere else. If you look at uh, because if you get again look at someone like Edward, who has. Kind of, I'm still a big Edward Stan. I, th- I still think he's a talented, talented player. I think a lot of goal-scoring strikers from a lot of leagues in Europe would go to somewhere like Palace and struggle to score. But you know, do you think it is positionally as well that they look at and think, well, you know, you scored a lot of goals in Scotland, but you know, so is Lawrence Shankland. Yeah, I think so, and I think because it's it's so cutthroat down there, isn't it? Like, I think if you can score ten ten league goals down there. Um, teams would bite your hand off for that especially with the sort of markets because other than Tierney we don't really seem to have a player who's gone straight from us to a really top club Um, so yeah and I think as well like even when Dembele had done it in Europe for us it goes against Man City and stuff like that and the other goals in the Champions League there was no real suitors from England um, for him so I think because strikers are it is if if you sign a striker and it's a flop, it can be really detrimental to your season. Um, and that's not to diminish, that's not to sort of reverse what Alan was saying about the midfielders because 
midfielders can have bad games and they can have good games. We have a striker who's three or four bad games that you can find yourself in a, a relegation fight. So it is interesting. And I also think that strikers always tend to go for the most money as well. So you would think that, and hopefully it's not Kyogo, but down the line, if we were to finally have a striker that would go for the, the 30 million mark, that would sort of um, open the door for even bigger deals for us. Because as I say, the, the goals are what te- keeps teams afloat in that league. So they pay the big bucks for that. But it is interesting because I thought Eduard would have done, I thought Eduard would have been that sort of 10, 12 goal a season striker for Palace, but it's just not really materialised. Um, I know they've been playing him kind of out wide and stuff like that, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think also see Kyogo's build and how he's quite slight and uh, he plays on the shoulder. I think a lot of the teams in the sort of mid to lower half, so the half of the premiership table prefer to have the sort of big battering ram type striker who can be quick as well. So I wonder if that would maybe put teams off as well. But it's interesting that we've had Van Dijk, as you said, we've had Van Dijk, Wanyama, um, players of that ilk going for big money, Tierney. Um, but we just haven't had a striker go for that. So it maybe just doesn't fit the, the prototype of what English teams look for and to be their number nine. Terrific. <laughs> I'm all for it. Let's let's yeah. hope. Because, um, aye, exactly. I mean, that's the kind of point that, we want to keep guys like Kyogo for as long as possible. Um, I mean, guys like Hatati, it's going to become harder and harder to keep. Um, but here's the other thing I was going to say, Barry, as well. Like, you know, um, Kyogo talks about kind of the turnover in players. At the end of next season, let's say Ange Postacoglu is still going to be at Celtic after next season. I mean, what team? What that team look like? That team will probably be completely from the team we have now. So you're only talking about one, one kind of two transfer windows uh, coming up for the third one, you'd imagine that this team would even, by that point, would look completely different. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's kind of, I kind of meet that with both trepidation and excitement because yeah. I think, we've spoken about this before, part of growing up being a Celtic fan was all the <coughs> the teletext club call and checking the back of the paper when you were abroad and stuff like that. It's just, just the nature of being a, a football fan, but Sometimes too much turnover can have a real detriment. I think of the summer when we lost both Wanyama and Hooper um, yeah. and the replacements were nowhere near as good and then you just notice a massive drop-off in quality. Um, but the club seem to be putting things in place. Um, we've hired a number of scouts from down south and stuff like that and we've cast it sort of further than we usually would. So, yeah, you've got to give them trust because of how well it's worked so far, but I would hope that if there is a major turnover, it's kind of staggered across the two, potentially three windows. So you wouldn't want to lose three or four of your first teamers, say, in an August. Um, maybe two, bring in replacements, see how they bed into the team, and then lose another two and continue that process. But yeah, I think I think we're well-placed to sort of deal with departures now um, because of the revenue that we have from other areas. Um and automatic qualification for the Champions League is just a godsend. Um, not just in terms of pressure off for the, the qualifiers but being able to plan a whole summer and as soon as the, the whistle finishes on cup final day you'd, you would like to hope that we start to um, get our targets in as soon as possible because we have we have sort of done that um, last season had our players away for the, the training camps but the fact that it's Japan and Korea it's not as if it's just a two or three hour flight to Austria um, so I hope now when Ange asks for that, it is something to be delivered because the money's guaranteed. So ideally, you see all the players at the airport and there's three or four 
uh, exciting new additions ready to go. So, yeah, excited just thinking about that. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like, um, the January transfer window for managers of Celtic's past was something where we'll bring just a player in, even though we don't necessarily need them. Whereas with Ange, it seems to be that's the planning stage. That's the real, a lot of the time, pulling the trigger. So it's a real different kind of perception and uh, feeling. Um, Matt O'Reilly, just got some quotes here. Um, He's talked about his kind of rough patch at Celtic. I think I've played pretty well in the last four or five games. People will always have something to say, and I'm not going to say that I didn't have a slight rough patch around the new year for various reasons. There is stuff off the pitch that might not always be obvious to the naked eye and probably gets overlooked because you're seen as a footballer instead of as a person. Social media is a platform where people only post the good things in their life. People don't go on there and say they're having a really shit day. That doesn't really happen. That's why we all have to be a bit careful and bear in mind when you're looking at someone's Instagram that you're only seeing the good things in their life. Um, I'm sure that every single person posting things like that has something dark going on behind the scenes as well. I generally only use social media to post. Other than that, I don't check it at all because I don't think it does me any good. I'm in a good place mentally now, and usually when that's the case, the rest takes care of itself. Uh, I was at a good level last week, but I think I can still play better. Um, he, he, he just basically talks about the pressures um, and the experiences. Um, previously in this season and last season, I set the core bar quite high so maintaining that level and looking to improve on it has always going to be tough i'm still pretty young as well so i've got a lot to learn i'm getting better trying to not be so hard on myself there have been times in the past when i've not had a good uh, had a good game as i wanted to and then there were little things that carry with you i don't think that's a good approach to have because you end up taking it to training that's something i've improved on a lot and i think that's what you now see me about yeah i mean again we're, we're talking about talking about kind of really deep and important subjects, um, covering them very eloquently, talking about his personal struggles, talking about social media. It just comes across as a class boy. Definitely. <clears throat> and it's it's still, you still have to, when I was reading those quotes this morning, you still have to sort of check yourself that he's only 22. Like, I know. To have that sort of maturity and to talk about social issues as well, because it's so true what he says about social media and you only see the good times and stuff like that. So, Delighted for him that he's got his form back and you can tell that he's hard on himself because you see <clears throat> games when he's been substituted substituted, and you can see obviously he's disappointed to come off but when he hasn't been playing well you can see that it, it sort of pains him that he hasn't he hadn't been hitting the heights but I think the point that he's also harsh on himself is, is true as well because I thought when McGregor was injured he, he was excellent and the, the sort of deep line number six he's actually I think controversially he was a better tackler than Kyle McGregor is when he was in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, Good point. But yeah, he just showed his versatility and it's another one who gives it all for the squad. Um, and I think the one thing that I always liked about Matt O'Reilly was see when we won the, the League Cup in February. And bear in mind Aaron Moy had taken his his spot in the team for the past sort of five or six weeks before that. When the players were all singing Aaron Moy, he was front and centre. So it just showed that even though he'd stolen his spot off him, um, there was no hard feelings so delighted for him because I think when he's on form um, he's an incredible asset to have and there's something about left footed players that always look more sort of cultured on the eye don't they and uh, yeah. he's a goal threat and his assists this season have been very good as well so no delighted that he's found his form and he'll be a, a major player for the remainder of the season I'm, I'm sure yeah yeah couldn't agree more um, just on the kind of um, that mentality I I know I'm very guilty of it, you know. If if we had, you know, 
if there was a 22-year-old who kind of came through, I would say David Turnbull, but I'm hard on him anyway. Um, but I think it's the difference between someone who we sign and someone who, you know, maybe comes through. I know I do this personally and I don't think it's particularly fair. I just think sometimes if we pay money for someone and they, and they come in and they have a bit of a wobble sometimes, I'm probably not as forgiven as I probably should be. Or maybe that's just the kind of pressurized standards at Celtic. What, what's your thoughts on that? Because, you know, mm. we, we I know I do put a lot of pressure on guys like Turnbull as well and Matt O'Reilly and you do you do forget they're only 22 and 23. You know, they are they are pretty young in, in football in terms and we maybe don't do that with maybe some of our own, I guess. Yeah, I think that's... I can, I can see it from both viewpoints. I think because, as you say, the standards are so high, like that sort of what, four or five months at the end of last season, he was phenomenal. If you yeah. think back to his debut at Tynecastle, um, and it, it was a standout. And then obviously he added goals and stuff like that to his game at the end of the season. And, and then I think everyone, if you were to go back and listen to sort of pods from pre-season, I think it, I remember one of the goals, was it Banica Strava we played and he scored a screamer from outside the box and everyone was saying, right, he'll be a 10, 15 goal um, midfielder this, this season. And, for one reason or another, it never worked out, but we do have to be mindful that there is a person behind the stats and the data and the, the individual that have all the worries that we do in our life going on in the background. So, yeah, and I, I think the point about homegrown players and when we sign them, sometimes I think signed players do get a wee bit more leeway. Um, but, yeah, I can see I can see your point because if you've... If you've had that outlay for someone who's come in and has played so well and we spoke about this a few weeks ago when the, the whole bar of the, the whole levels have gone up across the team this season like the everyone's improved um, a few players have been left behind but O'Reilly's right back in there and on the Turnbull point as well it's, it's a shame because he was so pivotal last season Yeah, but he's just not hit the heights this season so they're kind of while O'Reilly's got the, the sort of wherewithal to play himself back into it, I'd be very surprised if, if Turnbull does and I think it'd be best for all if he kind of moved on next season. I think you know, there needs to be a conversation, I'm sure there will be, because um, because he is talented, Turnbull, he's a talented footballer, um, he's got a lot of really great attributes and I can see him flourish, um, I'm just not sure it's maybe going to be at Celtic, so you want to see these guys playing football, you know, you want to see yeah. them having a kind of a, a good career. So well, it'll be interesting to see. But um, Matt O'Reilly, great to hear him talking with such gravitas about, you know, some really um, important subjects. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for him to kind see, of... See, just in. on that, Gar- see, um, and it was more kind of thing I was thinking about, see, uh, watching the game back on Monday or whatever, when you saw, see the extended interview with Kyle McGregor. Yeah. And how well he spoke and obviously... O'Reilly's we're speaking about here. I think it'd be interesting to see how many of this current squad go on to be successful coaches in the future because of Angie's tutelage. Um, Good point. Because listening to them speak, I don't think I can ever remember a Celtic team or squad so sort of flexible in um, the language they're using and their, their sort of tactical nows. Um, so, hi, it'd be something to watch in the future um, because I think Angie's management style is so different and so unique um, it's clearly rubbing off on the players because not only do they know the roles on the pitch, they're also able to verbalise it and make it more interesting for us to listen to after the games. 
Excellent point. Excellent point, Barry. Um, and it, will, it really will be. I'm Callum McGregor's got manager written all over him, I think. Um, Celtic, Celtic FC woman, unfortunately, lost to Rangers yesterday, um, which means uh, we are level on points with Rangers. We're still in second because our goal difference is a lot better. Um, but we're five points behind Glasgow City. And we play Glasgow City at Celtic Park on Thursday. If we win that, the last game of the season, it's Rangers versus Glasgow City. So, you know, Rangers could do us a favour. Um, <laughs> which would be wild, <laughs> wanting Rangers to win. Um, but did you see yeah. any of the game, Barry? I did. I saw um, saw some of it last night and the decision um, for the disallowed goal was crazy. And it was funny, I saw a tweet saying... Because obviously, um, Caitlin Hayes post-match interview when she said we're playing against the refs as well. Was a Rangers fans who would never have interest normally in the women's team are saying, "Oh, that's there's a poison at that club where they just blame everyone." And people were just retweeting all the stuff about Morelos and um, came Celtic Park. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's a shame because to get themselves into that position and then <clears throat> kind of fall short. Um, but I'm still hopeful that the game on um, Thursday night will be well attended and um, should be a good atmosphere to to get the gap down to um, to two points. I just want to play uh, Caitlin's. It's, it's a short clip. Just let me play this. Caitlin, how tough was that one to take? You know, any loss is a is a hard one to take, but I think it's an even harder one to take when you're at this stage of the of the campaign. And and at the end of the day, we just got to keep our heads down and make sure we redeem ourselves next week. You thought you had opened the scoring, though. Talk us through that disallowed goal from your perspective. Um, I'll keep it simple. Don't think it's a free kick. Um, but sometimes you've got to play the opposition and the refs in this league. And, and at the end of the day, I've, I've, looked, I've seen it back and I don't know where the free kick's coming from. But he clearly uh, had other ideas and that's why he disallowed the goal. Did you get any explanation? Was it for Natasha, supposedly on, on the goalkeeper? Was that the explanation? Um, there was no explanation, um, as usual, with Scottish referees, without sounding bitter. Um, but um, after speaking to the coaching staff, I think that's what the initial reaction was, is that it was on Tasha from Tasha's um, free kick. <laughs> How big a moment might that turn out to be? Uh, what's great is uh, I'd love to see one of the men's uh, players come out. <laughs> I mean, the flack they would get. But that's um, Caitlin Hayes is just um, she's one of the best players in the league. She's... Just a fantastic leader, um, and comments that, uh, you know, myself, Lorenzo, and Claire go to, you know, most they both go to every home game, uh, or every most games, and the refereeing standard again is very much a case of, oh, they're not very good, but also, do you know what I mean, Barry? Yeah, and I, I like that. I, I joked earlier about how the Rangers supporters on Twitter were saying there's a poison in that club but I like to think that when you sign for the club you're given a wee dossier of um, paper clippings of Hugh Dallas's email about the Pope and um, all the all the sins of the past and it's just like have a wee bit of that bedside reading and then you'll know what we're up against so um, I'm half joking but really I'm not <laughs> yeah you're absolutely not I can see your eyes um, the thing about Caitlin Hayes is um, when she signed for Celtic um, the, all these pictures of her when she was a wee lassie wearing Celtic tops came out and stuff right. and she's like she's like a Celtic fan so I know she's I think she's somewhere down south but she's a massive Celtic fan and clearly uh, you know losing to the Angels affects her so uh, big game on, on Thursday uh, the Celtic Women's Football Show will be available on Wednesday as always uh, Claire and Lorenzo will look over everything and uh, discuss it in detail um, did you watch the Youth Cup final did you get to see any of that Barry? 
Um, I saw I saw the extra time because uh, I was out, but then I saw the highlights and um, what a game it was! It was neck and neck. Um, looked like Celtic were cruising at points and then pegged back and looked a bit ropey. But some of the, the talent on show it was great to see, and um, it was good that Ange and the board were there. And I thought, did you see the wee group of boys? I don't know <laughs> yeah. if they were like maybe they were under tens or something. <laughs> the ultras. Yeah, that was brilliant. I loved that with loved the wee it. drum. Um, but no, a brilliant uh, advert for, for the youth football um, and hopefully some of those players can follow in McGregor's footsteps and make it into the first team. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if someone performs well, then there's going to be eyes on them. But um, Crystal Palace are apparently looking at Michael Frame, um, who scored one of the one of the goals. I think he scored in the 25th minute. Um, who's a, a, a fullback, uh, a left back, I think. Um Disappointing again, but he's 17 years old. It's kind of one of those things where um, there's not a lot we can do except offer him an opportunity, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it is the fact that he is 17 years old. You would hope that if he was good enough that he would be certainly in and about training uh, with the first team squad. And there could potentially be a, a spot up for grabs there if... Hasn't particularly worked out for, for Burnaby. I know it's still early doors in his, his career, but yeah, the only thing we can do is sort of show him that there will be opportunities. But yeah, it's it's disappointing that it used to be that, what, 10 years ago that when we started to sell players to England, it was from the first team. But now there's players who are sort of two levels below the first team that are getting picked off. So it's a difficult one for the club because... I don't doubt that loads of these players who have been signed by clubs in England probably won't make it uh, at the highest level. Um, but the club, the club has to, as, as we mentioned earlier, the club is in a successful period just now, and we have to keep winning and trying to improve as a European team. <clears throat> so we're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. But you're hopeful that if these guys are good enough, then Angel know about them. The fact that he was there the other night, um, but. Ultimately, there's not much we can do if they're getting offered more money and sort of training at Premier League academies. So, yeah, a difficult one. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, just <clears throat> from a bit of positive news from that perspective, it's obviously not to do with Celtic, but that young boy, James Wilson, I think he's 16-year-old, he's at Hearts. Man United, Aston Villa, Leeds, and a slew of other clubs were after him. Um, and he signed a contract with Hearts, professional contract. So, I mean... You know, I don't want to say the tide's turning, but hopefully it would get to the point where maybe players who have signed maybe four or five years ago who maybe aren't getting opportunities, you know, you can look at that and say, well, what happened to that player? What happened to this player? You know, I could be in the Hearts first team, you know, in two years' time. I could be in the Celtic first team in, in two years' time. So we just need to give them, I guess, we just need to give them not even that opportunity, just the ability to see that there's development areas there. And and I think that's the main thing. Definitely as well. And even as as I say, if it's training with the first team and then see when they are, if they are standouts at like sort of 16, uh, coming up for 17. So you get them like a high profile loan move as well to show them that um, I, I often like it when you loan out a player, but you sort of extend their deal as well to show them that you're interested in them. It's not Future. just a case of sort of seeing out their contracts. So... If we could use the loan market a wee bit better as well, um, that would be an avenue that um, would be appealing because it's difficult if you were that young um, and you've been offered figures that could set your family up for the next few years anyway. Um, but 
probably if you were to look at a case study, players who have made it at the very top have probably played upwards of 100 games by the time they're 18. And are they going to get that? Probably not. So it's finding the balance. And um, again, it comes down to the individual. But no, that is encouraging. And hopefully some of our players will follow suit from the Hearts boy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just quickly before we kind of go look at the Hearts game, uh, I just wanted some of these quotes from Kenny Miller. What the fuck? The guy's just a moron. Some people are obsessed with the term, the gap. When I was involved in it, it was something I absolutely hated. Listen, Celtic could win 56 before Rangers win 56, or like three or whatever. That's clearly possible when there are only two teams that can win the league. But when I was involved in it, I absolutely hated the term, the gap. So this is just your personal opinion, Kenny. Okay, that's fine. It's all some people could go on about, but they do. What do they actually mean? If they're talking about a points gap, then that then that's easy because that's black and white. You just need to look at the league table. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> but if they're meaning a gap between the two teams, wait, but which kind of plays into the the points gap? Um, you need to look at the performances when they play each other. And nobody can tell me Celtic have been way better than Rangers in the four old firm games that Michael has been the manager. Look, Rangers need to find a way to win because Celtic have been rel- relentless in their pursuit of trophies. I accept that. But if you look at the same film, I think Rangers were the better team. That's weird. It must be the first time domestically that Angie's teams were out-possessed and out-passed. Jesus. I, I printed these quotes off. I didn't read that. Jesus. <laughs> so this gap, I really don't see it. If it's a points gap, then okay. It's 13 points. But it was nine points when Michael Bale arrived. So, yes, yeah, so it's went up. <laughs> who wins the league is probably going to be decided by who turns up in the old firm games next season. I'll tell you right now, it'll be a lot closer next season. I believe Rangers will make strides this summer. Jesus. I'm sorry, I should have read this beforehand. <laughs> this guy's a fucking moron, Barry. He is. Um, he, seems to, he seems to be getting more bitter. Um, yeah. I hadn't really noticed it until see after the the game uh, last month at Celtic Park when whatever show he was on he was talking about how McGregor was getting away with fouls because he's a Celtic captain and was at Celtic Park I'm like where does this come from um, and then he sort of backtracked on those a wee bit he must have been warned by someone yeah but he just seems to get wilder and wilder and stuff like that is just music to our ears like the content this week from. The club themselves, ex-players, their supporters, it's just been brilliant. Um, and the more deluded they are, um, the more reassuring it is, I think, for us that they won't get their shit in order because they, they, they are so deluded. And he's someone who's been, as you mentioned, he's been in he's been in those dressing rooms and stuff like that. And you can just tell that there has been a slight change because up until the weekend, I think it had been blaming everyone, hadn't it? It had been blaming the referees, it had been blaming that, oh, we've got more money than them. And now that's all sort of been whittled away and it's all very much, oh, the focus is on next season, next season. But you could easily say, if he says that it'll, it'll be a lot, the games will only come down to the derbies next year, but there's no guarantees that these players will come in and gel. So you could lose, you could do what Ange did and lose like his first three away game uh, away games. Um, the new man, uh, the new squad. Um, because when there is that overturn of players, and one thing I think that not to give them any credit, but they have been very um, consistent um, over the last few seasons. Um, but I think that's because they've got players who have been there for so long, and that's probably one of their strengths that these players know what to expect when they go to away games and stuff like that. Whereas if they bring a whole host of championship players. It seems to be 
the case, there's no guarantee that they'll hit the ground running and they could easily find themselves out of, out of Europe, um, God willing, early doors. And then we've seen the sort of detrimental effect that can have on domestic form. So we could all throw out wild speculation. I could say that Rangers are going to finish third next season, but um, yeah, it's just crazy. And the the other thing that you said that you mentioned last night about they need more players like Tavernier, yes, please. Give them <laughs> 11 Taverniers um, but, because they'll just lose their mentality. But I just think it's insane that this guy gets paid for his opinions, right? And he says, what's this gap everyone's talking about? Firstly, the only people that have mentioned it are Rangers players. Michael Beale started it by saying the gap's not as big as it, as people say. Barry Ferguson again mentioned it today, talking about the gap's not as big. I've only ever seen Rangers players or Rangers pundits or Rangers managers mention the gap. And um, the second point is when he's like, um, what does it even mean? Or oh, do you mean points? Oh, aye, there's definitely a gap there. That's what we mean. But, you know, <coughs> Kenny, it, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, I just, I, yeah. I find it tragic. I find it genuinely the whole, tragic. The whole thing as well, that their whole mantra, their slogan is we welcome the chase. Um, so... How does that tie into not liking gaps? Because it was your former manager that coined that phrase. But yeah, I can't ever remember Celtic talking about a gap, even when we were miles behind. Obviously, O'Neill came in and said that Rangers were the benchmark and stuff like that. But it all ever seems to be a gap when we are streets ahead of them, which thankfully has been the majority of the last 15, 20 years. So long may it continue. Long may it continue. Uh, let's, uh, let's focus on the game at the weekend. Um, let's get some opposition analysis. It's now time for opposition analysis and tactics with our good friend Christian Wolf. Hello, Christian. How are you? I'm delightful, Christopher. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I just, I just said I was delightful myself. That's more a characterization of myself rather than how I am. But yeah, I'll go with it. You will go with it, because um, that really is how I'm sure you feel about yourself. Uh, Christian, it's a, far off. it's a big, potentially a huge weekend for Celtic. Um, we travel to Tynecastle at 2.15pm on Sunday to take on a wild hearts team. The club, yes. That club seemed to be having just being on the straight and narrow. We finished third uh, just at the final straight, have completely came off the rails um what's happening what's happening at hearts while that's hard obviously Qu- quite a david lynch movie and all that um that's all i have to say about hearts really <laughs> no i mean obviously nielsen is gone um and everyone's delighted i think everybody is delighted really um except for i mean he wasn't very good so it's that but they have naismith so i don't think it's <laughs> it's very hard to tell how good he, he will be with all his, his coaching experience. Um, <laughs> I just started off the offer. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if, if you look at their kind of season overall, as you said, they were kind of out and you know, ahead in third for quite a while. But I think the performances were always not as good as the results. You know, if we have evidence of this, obviously, in our expected points models and so on, um, my heart were always kind of overperforming. So I always felt like that they were kind of pushing the luck a little bit being third. And like overall, 
you know, students model has them in sixth place and um, unexpected points. But they're, to be honest, they're in that cluster. Like, kind of touched upon this before in terms of how the, the real table kind of groups itself together with different teams. And for a long while, it was like, obviously, Celtic in front, a bit in front of Rangers. And then you had Hips and Hodge kind of as a little group of two. And to be honest, Hearts have kind of fallen off that as well. So Hibs' underlying performance is it's the best team, for best team in the league this season. And then Aberdeen, Motherwell, Hearts and Merrin, all pretty much the same. So they're kind of in that group of, of four teams below Hibs. That's roughly like if you look at performance and stuff like that at the same point as place. I mean, there's, there's 14 points between those four teams, but that's just what happens over a season, especially one that is like so it's mad. Uh, that's the Scottish Premiership. So I think overall, Hearts, you know, they weren't as good as the results. Um, said the results have kind of been catching up with them and, and Nielsen. And then it's, it, it, we can get back to this in terms of the line, but it seems like Naismith at least trying to have a look at it and says, actually, we're going to try and freshen it up a little bit because there was a lot of old, old uh, stuff in, the, in that team. Um, do you think, obviously, with just what happened to Aberdeen at the start of the season where they just completely capitulated um, under Goodwin. Do you think that's had a factor on, like, if Aberdeen had been more consistent and just a little bit better, Hearts probably wouldn't have been in third as long as they were? Say the same with Hibs. I yeah. guess, who's always said they've kept the manager, but I think both of us are not exactly big fans no. of, of, of Lee Johnston. And I think, I think all those three teams that you know we're expected to fight for third have had fairly managed really in terms of all oh, they've been you know Robson's obviously come in and said he had like a great run but again that's you know if you look at some of the underlying performances he, he's you know he's like be honest he's been quite lucky to get seven wins after those kind of performances but he's got the job out of that and you do wonder if, if now Naismith you know had a good result last time if he can kind of just make the team work as normal, that'll look quite good. Because <laughs> any one of these three teams should at any point, you know, be better than the rest of the, the league outside, you know, the other two in, in Celtic and Rangers. And that should be the norm. And it's just really haven't been this season consistently anyway. So, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the same thing happens Um uh, hard with with nice bit. Um, as I said, it's, it's really hard to tell how could he'll be be now. But at this point, you know, five six games left. It's like, uh, how much can you actually show what you've done? And a lot would be down to kind of variance and a little bit of luck. But uh, to be honest, uh, he's, he's done a couple of interesting things with the, the lineup at least. Uh, well, let's uh, you know talk me through it. What's um, what's he done that's kind of freshened him up a bit? Yeah, I mean. You can maybe jump to that because I was going to like have a look at all like the season stats and so on. And I said, well, actually, let's start here because yeah. I think it kind of leads into because, and a lot of this will be obviously what Nilsson had. But the weird thing I think with also Aberdeen and Harsh this season is that they've been atrocious defensively. You know, it's Aberdeen and Harsh have been taking turns of having conceded the most expected goals this season. Like of all the teams, That's which isn't that bad, yeah, right. And so again, the Hearts at the moment has the worst XG against in the league, 
um, they have the worst average chance quality conceded against. Um, but their offensive stats are, you expect it, they're decent, you know, fourth most XG and fourth most shots, um, third in terms of passing in, in the league. Maybe sometimes you think a team like Hips, you know, would have the most uh, passes in a game. It's actually hard outside Celtic and Rangers. So, like Aberdeen, they've been creating a lot, but defensively, they've been very poor. Um, especially in, in when it comes to actually you know, conceding chances. But I think it was interesting, obviously, against Hibs and uh, Naismith's first game. And they go for it like a 4 2 3 1 again. And it's it kind of look, I don't know that all the ins and outs of the hard score, but look at it, it's, it's quite an old team, right? So you got the guys started guys like Smith and Kingsley on uh, the fullbacks, you know, at the holiday and, and stuff like that. And Grant, who's kind of sitting behind Shanklin's his late twenties as well. But I think always they lose, but then they come play Ross County, and you can kind of see obviously Smith got injured, but yeah, he puts in two fullbacks, uh, Cochrane and Aitkins, and he's twenty three. Oh, Peter Haring comes back in. I think he's a decent player. He's twenty one, but. And generally, is obviously uh, 26 who comes in. But the really interesting choice he does for me, he puts in, you know, Yutara Uda from like the Japanese player they got from Vassal Kobe. Um, he'd only, it's, I don't know, it, it kind of flew under the radar from me. I know he was there and obviously he had a few minutes against Celtic, but he played very, very little. Very little. Yeah. But he'd had one start against Livingston early on, got hooked at half time. And other than that, it's, it's just been a substituted appearance. And like, okay, watching him against Ross County is Ross County, and obviously the harsh would pile on the goals. But just looking at that game, and it's, it, was, it was really quite impressive. Like, he didn't get a goal, you know, I hate goals. Anyway, but he, he was, you know, he's he's quick or short distances. He's like technical, very good on the ball. He's not afraid to hold on to the ball, take on past players like and he needs a little bit of polishing but it's a little bit weird you haven't seen more often I think um, but obviously Naismith you know thought you know, let's, let's play him let's see what he can do and I think he really contributed against Ross County so it's, it's interesting that he's straight away like he's put a few more younger players in there and somebody like Oda is uh, Obviously, he brings something a little bit different. I guess his kind of competition has been Alan Forrest. You know, it's just a decent player, but you also know what you're going to get. Yeah. Right? He's a classic Scottish winger in, in that sense. So, obviously, they have a, the Australian wonder kid, uh, uh, Gavin Cole as well, who's, who's also has had very little minutes on the pitch. Again, I think he's got one start and like six subs and this appearances. Is a, this is a guy that obviously signed for Newcastle. Newcastle yeah. put him out on loan. He starred at the World Cup. Um, yeah. He came here with great fanfare. I was actually quite excited to, you know, see Hearts getting a player like that um, and just hasn't played. Hasn't played. And you do wonder, like, if part of the tension with Nielsen was that he, you know, he didn't want quote unquote that kind of player or it's too young or like it's think spares, but he's he's kind of gave them like a half chance and <laughs> just just didn't play them. Um so obviously he's, he's kinda of gone for the uh, you know tried and tested but next minute is giving no time chance and maybe we'll we'll see uh, Garang as well because it's you know it's a little, 
bit different, isn't it? <laughs> it would be quite interesting. What about Lawrence Shankland? Yes. Um, is a you know, proven goal scorer at this level now. I mean, he struggled for a while, but... Um, well, he is he the kind of is Naismith using him as the focal point the way that Nielsen did. Well, it's is it because against I think he's done a little bit before against Ross County he was he was kind of playing off generally a, a little bit so it was a generally obviously um, the English striker got a lot of pace on him you yeah. know so it's, it kind of makes sense having he's he's, he's a bit faster than Shanklin so he was the kind of one who's threatening behind. Um, I think it's it's been decent against Celtic as well a couple of times. Has, you know, yeah. he's it's tricky. Um, it's tricky. Yeah, and it's it's fast and it's like okay, he's not a complete striker, but he's he's got those qualities. So, so Shankland was kind of playing off like just behind him. Um I guess Ross County and you know, obviously on the wings, all down the wings, quite play Byron Mackay, you know, biggest Scottish talent, bigger than Carantini, you know, it's still Still a decent player, that kind of team as well. But I thought Haring coming in, you know, a lot more. You know, Thank you. You could compare any player to Andy Holiday and the Coma Fairbury. But he, him and Devlin, I thought, worked well. You know, the, I said the fullbacks, younger, more energetic. So, I mean, yeah, it's Ross County, but, and it's still, you know, not sparkling football. But, uh, you know, it seemed like, Ross County, the, it made a lot of sense that kind of selection. And it kind of said, felt a Immediately, like a team that kind of fitted together uh, in, in in terms of the setup. So it'd be interesting to see if Naismith just goes, ah, screw it, I'm just going to be as offensive and as aggressive against against Celtic and not try and change with what looked like quite a quite an exciting and fun young team actually against Ross County. Um, so, so in regards, so, yeah. so, sorry, oh, sorry, I, so, no, no, I, I, I almost forgot. I, I got stats for Shanklin. Hit me. Oh, so obviously. You get a sense of, you know, looking at her hearts and see how many scores. Like, he must be a big part of their output. So, let's quantify that. Let's make it even more fun and quantify something. And so, I had to look at Shanklin. And in terms of the league goals, so he's got 21 league goals. That is 39% of all of Hearts' league goals. <sighs> and if you look just his XG, XG is forty one percent of all his XG. Like is 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 taken by Shanklin. Is but no, no, that of all the chances created, he's created eighteen percent of them, and he's taken twenty four percent of all the shots. Every four shots, the Shanklin is that. So overall, just just to show how important he is to that team, he's I haven't done the stats for the other times, but if a player is getting forty percent of your goals and forty percent of your actual chances, you get to that. It's a huge amount, but he, he does create things as well. So, I mean, it's, I think it's Ginelli who's have second most goals with nine, but then then it's down to like Barry McKay and Alan Forrest of four kind of thing. So he's it's those two players, but Shanklin like well in advance. Having said, I think he scored against Celtic in the four three. He got a hat trick. Oh. Oh, so he did. Came off the yeah, bench he, and he got a hat trick. Yeah, he, he had he had about four penalties as well. <laughs> That's right. So, um, do you think? Okay, yes. Let me ask so, you. So, but, yeah. Let me a, a quick question. Just you know, with everything that's happening across the city, um, is Shankland like a good fit for them? Do you think he's the type of guy who would go there and do like a Chris Boyd, and because you get so many opportunities, you could score a lot of goals? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
you, you know me, I, I say any striker would score a lot of goals for those teams, right? Um, because they get so many chances. <laughs> the Christmas movie is like, would you have him a Celtic? No. Absolutely not. So would he then go and improve Rangers? No. <laughs> you know, I think it's as, as simple as that. You know, um, I came across some old uh, tweets about Cedric Eaton the other day, who'd, who'd been scored bucket loads in Switzerland. It's a top scorer in Switzerland this season as well. Um, but it's just a kind of, I, I think just more is demanded of you. Like in those kind of roles. And I think Shanklin is. You crumble. Uh, I'll crumble under the pressure. Yeah. And also like, he's, he's a decent player. And it's like, he obviously, you are, you're not decent unless you get to that many chances and so on and that, but he's not going to elevate a Celtic or a Rangers, you know, and it's, I don't really see the point of, you know, they, they got Kolak, right? And I know they're not exactly the same type of player, but they've, they've got a guy who only thing he does is really finish, you know, and as I, I don't think he would bring in, as so if they bought them, like, great, you know, I, yeah. I think that at the time of the Chris Boyd's are kind of, it's kind of over now. I think you just need to do more apart from just being at the end of, of a shot, to be honest. Uh, okay, let's talk about how they're going to approach this game. Um, you know, you, you've mentioned the fact there's a lot, maybe a little bit more energy and a little bit more kind of a youthfulness to it. Um, is this just going to... I mean, I remember Naismith against us was always... You'd always have one really bad foul on, on whoever. Um, is Are they going to just be really aggressive and press is really high straight from the whistle? Uh, yeah. You'd think so if it's time cast, but it is. It is interesting because the, the main thing is obviously the last couple of games they've gone back for, you know, two central midfielders, but like I guess Roscoe, like two, almost four, four, two, like Shanklin's a bit further behind, but you got, it's like, you know, it's the classic four, two, three, one that we grew up on, Gal. Yeah. You know, early 2000s and football was football. <laughs> And Rafa Benitez and Jose Mourinho was was the dudes, and and so I think that is the main question because if you look back at the last two games against them, the three one league game, you know they had a they pretty much went to five three one one, um, but I thought in the league game they were actually one of the, like the defensive setup was was smart. I remember they had a high line, and you know had very little space between the back line, defensive line, attacking line. And they worked quite well in that game for a while because I think Celtic struggled to kind of um, break through them. But they also struggled to stop Harsh from playing out from the back. But looking back at the lineup, you got you had players like you had Ralston and Burnaby as the fullbacks that game. You, know, you had uh, Aaron Moy and Matt O'Reilly in midfield. Um, but then obviously they went to Tynecastle for, for the cup game just after. And you could see in that game, Harsh set up in the same way, but like Celtic had a plan, you know, always had two new fullbacks and, and Taylor and Johnston just immediately bringing balls behind the back line. So the back, harsh back line fell down because they were like, okay, the, the pinging ball being behind us, which then opened up space between the lines. And it's in that game as well, Celtic kind of also changed the way their organized defense was because they pulled Hatati down on um, the deepest harsh midfielder because, you know, Harsh had had some success in kind of playing out in the back in the league game. So, you know, it was a nice example of saying Celtic coming up in the game and things not working. And then they found two, three solutions straight away. 
And then as you say, it's, it worked really well against an away game. So the interesting thing for me for Naismith is does it go back to a back five and try that same formula? And you would kind of go like, part of me just says, nah, surely if you got, he might just have one chance against Celtic, right? And to coach against him. And that team last time worked well. And it, there's aspects of that team, I think. I know there's a risk to be aggressive against Celtic, but if you sit in that 5 3 1 1, for example, I, you're going to end up lose 2 3 0. I, I think you do. Like you avoid that big defeat. But I think if, you know, he, he kind of got the players there to be aggressive, push up high, and try to just, I guess, get a Celtic and that kind of team. Okay. There's elements of that that might, you know, are risky. I got a feeling he'll just stay with the four, two, two, three, one, maybe even the same team and just kind of go for it. You know, it's because he's just got such a short, maybe short amount of games left. You know, he, he'd want to try and, especially this game, obviously, he, he would like to try and stop Celtic. And you know, I, I think if you want to try and take points of Celtic, that's probably why you do. You risk a spanking, but think if you try and go five at the back and stuff like this, you're eventually going to run out to losers. Yeah, absolutely. What What about us? What's um, obviously we'll just do what we do. Got Cobers at the back, the Cobmeister <laughs> General, Cobington Steel. Um, we also have uh, Ralston coming in for AJ. Um, would you expect much of the same, or just with those changes, or the same team from Sunday? I think so. Um. The, the interesting one is, yeah, Kobayashi. Um, I just hope he plays well for Kieran Devlin. <laughs> just Can you that, imagine how deflated he'll be on, on Monday morning if it's his. So, obviously, I mean, he, he played there last, you know, 45 minutes the last time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm very excited to see him play. Um, to have that, we'll see what kind of dynamic he brings to them, that backline over the next few games. But yeah, Tony Ralston. Um, he did not have a good game in the la- that Hearts game, I and mean, he'd just come on then. But uh, you know, he- he's got a funny history with Tiger Castle going back to Andrew's first game there as well. But it- yeah, <laughs> but hopefully, bringing in somebody like Kobayashi as well, it- maybe it just changes the dynamic and the build up a little bit. Yeah, because you do have somebody that can step out. You're not maybe that reliant on pushing the ball out to the to the right backs, to the left back, and, and so on. But yes, you expect, I'd be surprised if it isn't the same team, to yeah. be honest, that, that started the cup final, except for Kobayashi and Ralston, which I don't think you're going to get any sort of let up by extra minutes until the after Ibrox, really, yeah. to, to be realistically. And I guess it kind of works as a slight dress rehearsal for that as well. You know, you have those two games, you know, tick that box, and then you can see the last three games is kind of, Maybe give me a few more minutes and then maybe against Aberdeen, you, you ramp it up against uh, the cup final again. Absolutely. Um, any final points before we uh, we bid adieu? No, I mean, it's have a look at, on, 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 on Sunday, he's, he really impressed me against Ross County. Uh, you know, he plays on the right wing. Don't know if you know, but Santa's got a few Japanese players. He's, he's not saying he's, he's like a perfect fit. But you know, it's it's you know, just saying, keep, keep an eye on him. 
Hopefully he does score anything, but he's, it'll be interesting to see him. Hopefully, I kind of want to see him starting and see how he does against Celtic uh, at that kind of level as well. Just saying, you know, he, uh, just he, he could fit. I hope he's utter shite. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if yes, that too. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, just have a look. Get, what, get, what, what, if he's not, let's just buy him. Yeah, we get, go yeah, to Kelvin Grove Park, get to know At half time. Uh, listen, pl- Christian, pleasure as always. Uh, we'll speak to you. Uh, we'll see you on the review and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Great stuff from uh, Christian, as usual, uh, looking at Hearts and how they're going to line up and uh, their tactical point of view. Uh, Barry, Hearts, Tyne Castle. Always uh, a tough place to go. Um, we do have a pretty good record there recently, though. However, uh, how are you, what's your general kind of thoughts going into this game? Um, kind of mixed because historically, as you say, it's one of the the livelier, or feistier fixtures on the calendar, shall we say? Um, because of, um, let's just say, they're not very nice supporters there, or they're not a very nice club, um, and there has been difficult moments there in the past, but. I think because of what's at stake, Hearts haven't had the best of seasons uh, laterally anyway. Um, I'm feeling quite confident. I like the fact that it's going to be like a high-octane atmosphere, I would say. Um, Just a pity there's so few Celtic fans going to be available um, to go to that game. But fond memories, (coughs) excuse me, fond memories um, of recent performances there. I think the performance in... March, where we scored so early, was incredible. Aaron Moy was unplayable that day. And then if you think back to the game in October, uh, the 4-3. So there's usually lots of goals. Um, as I say, the atmosphere is always electric. And I think back to when we, we clinched it in the Invincible season um, yeah. under Rodgers. Um, was it 5-1, five, 5-0 five, five, that day? I think 5-0 maybe. Um, something like that would be perfect. And... Um, yeah, just give the team the, the sort of crowd and moment of design uh, the, the deserve, and then <clears throat> I just can't wait to see the, the celebrations afterwards. So fingers crossed, it's it's done and dusted, and we put on a performance to to seal the title. And heart, since since February, if you include the Scottish Cup, which obviously we beat them three 0 at home, um, they've played nine games, and they've won two of them, Oof. and they've lost the rest. Um, were you surprised when Robbie Nielsen gets sacked? Um, I was because of where they were on the table. Um, I suppose you could say he was maybe a victim of his own success um, to a certain extent because he had them up there for so long, but I think you could see there was something brewing um, with the performances. Um, and it tends to be supporters of the club themselves, like are more well versed because if you think back to if you think back to that horrible season um of a couple of years ago, I remember talking to people who weren't Celtic fans about Lennon said, Oh, you can't sack him, he's he's won this, he's done this, you're still up there, you're still in the cups and stuff like that. But you can supporters of your own team can see when the wheels are starting to come off, probably yeah. before the results actually start to, to kick in. And I think that's what happened there. And it's very few managers survive when your whole stadium's booing you, um, and that's that's what happens. So I think he can probably feel a wee bit hard done by, um, but I don't like him at all. So get it up him, and I hope they have more misery. And Naismith's just another one who is always Fucking Stevie's hell. face annoys you when you see him. So I'd like to, 
ideally a five or six nil drubbing, um, just to see him almost in tears would be would be delightful. Uh, normally on the weekend update, we have the uh, uh, you know the the opposition point of view um, from a fan other fan podcast. Uh, didn't get a lot of replies, um, and it <laughs> might have been. I don't know. Maybe maybe we've tweeted some anti hearts laughing emojis when you know they've been no, losing. But you, you should have done if you got one of them like on a zoom you should have just had like your background as albert kid <laughs> <laughs> love it um yeah i so uh obviously that's something we'll we'll, we'll kind of um restart next season we'll, we'll, we'll do it for the rest of the games this season if, if we can but um people seem to like it but we're probably not going to get Hearts or Rangers on. We're not definitely not going to get fucking Rangers on, but, <laughs> you know, maybe we just kind of file Hearts under them. Uh, yeah. Do you think they'll be cheering for the coronation and all that? Because, you know, my um, my accountant uh, is, a, is a Hearts fan, um, and he he said, you know, he's, he's anti-royal and all that and stuff, and... Um, but uh, you know, I just reckon, I reckon they'll be in joyous spirits, shall we say? Yeah, but the other thing that kind of makes me question that is, see, when they had, did they not have like a, oh, they did boo the silence. Yeah, yeah, was that a European game or something like that? Yeah, they did. Um, they, they, they booed when she died, right? That's right. So maybe times are changing. Maybe times are changing, Barry. Yeah, I know. Maybe they'll. Maybe next season you will have um, <laughs> someone on. But no, it's. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out um, because I've been quite surprised. Like I know there's obviously been the, the high-profile Piers Morgan and all these other detestable people shocked and horrified about the singing um, last weekend at the Cup Final. But what's been positive is there's been a lot of good reaction from it from people you maybe wouldn't expect. Um, bizarrely, uh, <laughs> I saw something today that there's like a there's a group of people who are fans of Princess Diana. Um, shout out to, to Paul Carlin, and they've they've all latched onto this on TikTok. Apparently, like they loved the um, the singing last week. So yeah, I think they'll be. I think see if it wasn't against us, they probably would be more booze, but they probably want to show a united front, um, and they'll be very um, respectful, shall we say, to to the king. And we won't. Yes, because get it. So far, fucking up them. Um, <laughs> the game itself, um, line up, what are you expecting from Celtic? Uh, talk me through your thoughts. Well, obviously the, the sort of force changes with um, Kobayashi and Ralston, I think will come into the back four, um, which will be good. Um, I think Ralston's performed well there. And Kobayashi had the whole second half, didn't he, in the cup game, where he did well at Tynecastle. So yep. really looking forward to, to seeing him. I thought he was excellent in the Kamarnock game. Um, and as we say, this... Is a high-profile uh, fixture, not only because we can clinch the title, but just the nature of where it is and stuff like that. So it'll be good to see if he comes through that. Midfield um, is a difficult one because I think I think we can all agree Hatati wasn't on it last week. Um, so do we persevere and try and play him into form or do we go with the tried and tested of who's fit and 100%? So I think Iwata might come in. It might be Iwata, McGregor and uh, O'Reilly. Um, I thought Moy was very good when he came on as well and again yeah. Moy's performed well in the two games at Tynecastle this season um, scoring one and also had that pretty horrendous miss but we'll let him off with that um, and then up front I think the, the front three picks itself just now um, with Jota, 
um, Kyogo and Maeda and Jota, just a, a quick word on him, obviously scoring the goal in the final and the the pictures that came out on his Instagram this this week were Outrageous. incredible. I know we I know we'd seen that and he'd kinda of kept the the bun, uh, the bumblebee kinda of under wraps, aren't they, in the in the double denim, but uh, it was there for all to see this week and I think every everyone had it on their Instagram story, didn't they? And every tweet was covering it. So yeah, love them and just a joy to watch just now. So hopefully at our strongest we can get the game won and then hopefully you can see some of the the fringe players get a run out. Um and the remainder of this game and the remaining games and some of the young boys as well. So no plenty to look forward to and hopefully a resounding victory. Talking of the nineties, uh, do you want Vata to get a game? I'd love to, yeah. I think um I think in the, the sort of recent performances that he's had, um some of his delivery has been excellent. Um for O. Um I think O maybe both times in both games, the Kamarat game, um and the Motherwell game, but yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see him um, get some more minutes and um, see if he can sort of stake a claim to be that sort of fourth choice winger. Um, unless in, in the summer we go out and buy someone, but to keep himself in the, the reckoning anyway, I'd like to see him get uh, get some minutes. Yeah, um, it, the Brazen had that big Paulo De Canio sign, didn't they? In the nineties, yeah. we welcome Paulo. Or what, what did it say? I can't even remember. Um, I think it was Glasgow's only Irish Italian. Uh, Bar welcomes Paolo Di Canio to Scotland. Um, Love it. And it was, yeah, they've had a few banners like that, haven't they, over the years? I think they had one for the Invincibles. And yeah, it's a, it's a great pub. And talking about this during the week, it's, it's amazing the amount of people who um, have never actually been. Um, I think just with, I had family over at your neck of the woods, scale and it seemed to be that um, I think the first time I was in there was the day after the Scottish Cup final um, in 95. Oh. And there was rumours that um, Paul McStay was going to bring the trophy in and all that and uh, he never did. So I had this sort of misspent youth of kicking a can outside it and eating a packet of crisps uh, <laughs> waiting for Paul McStay. So if you haven't been, I can't recommend it highly enough and there's always always good live music on and stuff like that as well. So if it's good enough for Jot, it's, it's good enough for us. It's a fantastic pub. Um, I've been many a time uh, and, and it's just a great pub. Um, great community as well. Um Right, okay, let's uh, Celtic FC women take on uh, Partick Thistle women at Peters Hill on Sunday. That's a 10 past 12 kickoff. Obviously, again, scheduling issues with the, the, the kind of men's team. Uh, they really need to sort that moving forward. Um, final points on the Hearts game. Um, confident predictions? Yeah, confident. Um, I think I'll go for 3 now. Um, and. Yeah, I hope everyone enjoys the celebrations, Touchwood. Um, hopefully it's a, it's a good day. I think the weather's to be actually quite nice on Sunday. Um, not so nice on Saturday, which is was a crying shame for, for all the, the street parties, etc. Um, I keep forgetting. But, I, 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 genu- I know we've been making jokes all day, but I, I keep forgetting that this fucking stupid thing's happening. Pathetic. It's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. And this is always, these times of the season are always so exciting. Um and I just hope that there's plenty of um, good images and content coming out on Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, for us to enjoy it all next week as well. Absolutely. Um, on the Senate, we've got, uh, obviously, this is the weekend update. And on Sunday, we'll have uh, the reaction to the Hearts game, um, which should be fantastic. Uh, and then straight to the pub or straight to Celtic Park, potentially. Yep. Who knows? Um, let's finish on uh, fact or fiction. I asked two questions and you state if they're fact or fiction and why. Okay, bye. Question number one. Awata 
will be in the starting lineup versus Rangers at Ibrox. Fact or fiction? Excuse me. Fact. Um, I think he'll. I think he'll be in because I think. See, because hopefully the pressure's off um, as much as it can be off at Ibrox. It's almost like the dress rehearsal now sort of starts for next season in terms of difficult European away games. Um, and I think we've all sort of liked the idea that having a Wata in there is almost the, the two sixes double pivot, whatever you want to want to call it, would make us more difficult um to beat. I think some of the some of the goals we conceded in Europe this season were maybe a lack of pace um on the counter attack, I think back to to Leipzig and stuff like that. So Awata has both power and pace. Um and also it was interesting um a few weeks ago when Matt O'Reilly was talking about the tweaks where having Awata and McGregor meant that Kilmarnock didn't know who to pick up in terms of the man marking. So yeah, I think we'll probably use that. Um and what a sort of test it will be for him and Kobayashi to see if they can really stake a claim to be starters next season. And hopefully they'll both come through it and I've no reason to doubt that that they um that they won't. So yeah, he's he's more than earned it, I think. Um and I'd love to see a midfield of Iwata, McGregor and Hatate at Ibrooks, uh, because I think it's it's got everything in there. It's got the running power, it's got the, the aggression, it's got the creativity. So I think that would be the sort of perfect midfield. And also, as I mentioned, Kobayashi, I think it would give him extra protection in front of him, having Iwata and McGregor. So, fact for me. Uh, fact, grateful. Uh, finally, Vata will start more than one game. More than one game of the remaining fixtures. I'll say fiction, but I think he will start one. Uh, that's the way thing. I think he'll probably, in more games than not, he'll come off, he'll come off the bench. Um Hopefully all of them, but I would like to see him start one of them. And who's the the home game? Look at Aberdeen and St Mirren at home, is that right? St Mirren, yeah, yeah. So maybe the St Mirren game, um, and who knows? Potentially the the Hibs away game. Uh, I know he came on there for his debut, but no, I think he'll probably start one. Um, I know Ange isn't one to sort of dish out minutes willy nilly, um, but I think Vata because he's been in and around the squad, um, has been coming off the bench in recent weeks. I think. They'll like to see how he can do it from from the start. If he can get sixty minutes and hopefully an assist and potentially a goal, then be delighted for him. So yeah, fiction, but hopefully one game. <clears throat> Barry Gallagher, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Uh, on a weekend that will be filled of grotesque imagery of a vile family um, lording it over the common people, we we remember the fifth of May, nineteen eighty one, Bobby Sands dies after 66 days on hunger strike they won't break me because the desire for freedom and the freedom of the irish people is in my heart the day will dawn when all the people of ireland will have the desire for freedom to show is when we'll see the rising of the moon barry gallagher pleasure um good Donegal man yourself uh, i'm chris gallagher and we'll speak to you down the road 